Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Jasmine. Hi, Bola. Welcome to the Clever Girls New Podcast. I am excited to have you here today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, and we're going to be talking about a fun yet not so fun topic for many people, which is <laughs> <laughs> public speaking and how it is so important for us as women to make our voices heard and get over our fears of public speaking. So before we dive into this topic, and you're also going to share why this topic is important for everybody, whether or not you are a speaker, quote unquote, (laughs) or not. But before we dive in, please tell us about yourself and your work. Sure. So my name is Jasmine Williams. I am an adversity and resilience speaker. So I work with audiences across the country and I have the opportunity to teach them how failure and adversity and all kinds of difficult life experiences can actually help us grow. And I am also really honored to be a speaking coach. And in that space, I primarily work with women to help them learn how to deliver a polished message with confidence and as you just mentioned, you know, I think a lot of people don't see themselves as quote unquote public speakers and they really shy away from working on their speaking skills, even though they can have a big impact on their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. I've definitely had that experience, especially when I was younger, having a fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. But I'd love for you to share with us, how did you get started as a speaker and why did you choose to specialize particularly in adversity and resilience? That's a great question. It's kind of funny because I don't think I ever consciously said, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to become (laughs) a public speaker. I think I sort of stumbled into speaking and, and it sort of fell into my lap as the best things tend to do. But it was always something that I do think I've naturally been pretty good at, but I never sought it out. And Mm -hmm. similarly, I think that I, I didn't, choose adversity and resilience. Unfortunately, I think that topic chose me and I I kind of had to run with what I was given, but I have had, you know, the opportunity to work with a lot of different audiences Mm -hmm. over the years, but every single audience that I've worked with, I, I am a little biased that I'll say that college students have always remained my favorite. And I think that's because when I was a college student, I did experience some significant adversity during those college years. And it just feels really special and really unique when I get to connect with students who I know might be sort of facing some similar challenges. Yeah. And I would agree. And I think back to my own college days and I was 
I wasn't shy with my friends, but I was shy in like the big classroom setting. And, you know, I wasn't used to hearing my own voice <laughs> mm-hmm. answering questions. I did not like to answer questions in class. But, you know, it's something I think that we all need to learn, whether it's in being able to speak up or speak out in college, in the early days of our careers, when we get into leadership positions, when we're navigating relationships, you know, when we are participating in our communities. It's something that at one point or the other, everybody's going to be in a position where they're going to have to speak up, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) I would love for you to share any personal story or stories you have from your own life about using your own voice, especially around dealing with adversity and building your own resilience. Sure. And it's interesting because I think the way that I got started as a speaker really came from the adversity and resilience that I was experiencing and and then building in my Mm -hmm. own life. And so a great example of that for me personally, my freshman year of college, I had just turned 18. I was a little baby. (laughs) And there was one night where my mom showed up on my college campus really unexpectedly. And I was going to school out of state. And so if you go to college a little bit away from home and one of your parents just shows up, you know, you tend to notice. And I found out from my mom that evening that my older brother had actually passed away very unexpectedly. Hmm. And, you know, here I was barely a legal adult, right? And I found myself sitting on the floor of my dorm room, packing a suitcase to go home to my brother's funeral, which was just... I mean, that's such a surreal moment to have at at such a young age. And that experience was life-changing for me because of how challenging it was in quite a few different ways. And, you know, one way was because I was so young and this was the first time I had ever lost anyone in my entire life. So it was my first experience with death or, you know, processing grief. And that added another layer to it. And on top of all of that, I was hundreds of miles away from my family and my immediate support system and being so young and processing all of these grief and new feelings for the first time. And and that added another layer. So as an adult, I think I can recognize now that that experience was probably the first time that I ever struggled with my mental health that I can remember. And Mm -hmm. it was especially challenging just being so far and feeling really disconnected from everyone. But over the years, I do think that I started to improve kind of the ways that I was coping with with what I was feeling and, and the reality of things just started to set in a little bit more. And I was asked to speak on my own college campus about that experience that I had as a student. And it's a little bit ironic because I am definitely the kind of person that when I'm struggling, I tend to isolate right? I don't want to bother everyone with my problems. Mm -hmm. I tend to kind of go off on my own and figure things out. And my friends who love me dearly know that I will kind of go MIA and then I will come back when I'm good again. And so it was really ironic that I was opening up in this space where I was speaking in front of sometimes strangers about this experience because some of these things were things that I had never shared with anyone. And by speaking about that experience that I had, it became so therapeutic for me because I was opening up about some things for the very first time. And 
as I continued to do it and I started to branch out and speak at other colleges, I would get messages from people about how much certain aspects of this speech resonated with them or how helpful, you know, certain strategies I recommended were. And that was really special for me. And I think once I saw that I kind of hit the jackpot, right? Not only was I helping myself, but I was also helping other people who were struggling. I knew that this was something that I really wanted to lean into. How would you describe just, or what do you remember about giving that first talk on your campus about your experience with losing your brother? What Did you find it like challenging? Did you not want to do it? How did you feel? What was your state of mind in that space? Oh, this is so embarrassing to admit, but I was getting ready for that first speech. And I think it was one of the first formal or official speeches I had ever given in my life. And I always tell people when they're preparing for a speaking opportunity to prepare the way that you studied in school, Mm -hmm. because our minds tend to work in similar ways. And that's how we best retain information. And so for me, I was someone who kind of geeked out over note cards. And I remember standing in front of my mirror and practicing these note cards that I had in front of me. And one of my roommates at the time kind of walked by my room and and doubled back. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I have this speech tomorrow. And, you know, I'm talking about this experience. And she's like, but why do you have note cards? Like, do you not know what happened? Right? Like it was your experience. You were there. You don't need the note cards to know your own story because it's yours. But I remember just feeling so nervous and feeling like I had to memorize word for word what I was going to say and I didn't want to mess up. And it became kind of this really ironic experience because later on when I gave the speech, you know, of course there were parts that I was choked up talking about. I think I teared up a few times and the people who reached out to me afterwards almost all of them shared that the moments like that, that I didn't script, right? The unscripted, the real, the vulnerable, those Mm -hmm. were the parts that connected with them. And so that was when I realized it wasn't about, you know, I'm not a journalist on TV reading off a teleprompter, right? People want to feel what I'm actually talking about. And it wasn't necessarily about getting every line right. Like this was a play. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, what you went through was a real life situation, a devastating situation. And it's hard to script that. There is nothing to be ashamed about because you didn't want to go on stage and be silent and not be able to get the words out. Because a lot of times when people are speaking on difficult situations, it can be hard to even bring that first sentence out of your mouth, right? Having those cards maybe would have been helpful if if you were in that position. So that's really brave of you for sharing and now helping other women do the same. So a lot of people are afraid of public speaking. I hear this all the time. You know, they say, Bola, how are you able to do that? I would have died. I would have, (laughs) (laughs) I want the ground to swallow me, you know, and I personally, I don't love public speaking. It's so outside of my comfort zone, but I, I do it by virtue of what I do. But, you know, like I was saying, many people are afraid of public speaking, but your job, your work encourages women to use their voices to speak up for themselves and to advocate for themselves. So I'd love for you to to share more about that. Yeah. And I absolutely love working with women in this space in terms of public speaking and working on growing this skill set because it was something that as I started to speak more and 
in the speaking world, you know, it's like, okay, you start speaking on other campuses and maybe then you branch out to conferences and you're hosting events and things like that. Mm -hmm. And as I was speaking more and more, and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Like I'm getting really good feedback from the events that I'm doing. And, you know, people tend to seem to really like the message and it's really resonating with the audience. And when I would go to certain events or when I would sort of look back and see, well, what other speakers has this college had or this conference had? And you start to notice that there are certain gaps there, right? Mm-hmm. And there was such a gap for women and especially for women of color in this space in terms of public speaking. But then you're thinking about your own life and you're like, wait, I know so many successful, brilliant, incredible women of color. Why am I not seeing them at the mic? And so I'm even asking like people around me in my inner circle, like, why, why don't you guys do conferences in your industries? And why don't you present about some of the work you're doing? And some of them are just doing absolutely incredible things that I can't even describe because they're so far out of my league, but so impressive in terms of their different industries. And yet they're not taking advantage of speaking opportunities, even within their own companies, right? And people are, as you said, deathly afraid to be in front of a microphone, no matter how big or small the audience is. It's just a very deep-rooted thing for a lot of women. And it became really important to me personally to try to help find ways that I could elevate other women's voices and and help them find ways to bring those powerful messages that they already have to the table. What you said is so true. You see women in all fields, all industries, huge accomplishments. They're just, you know, they shy away from public speaking. It's not something that they enjoy doing or they want to do. Or, you know, do you think that it's because of people being afraid of having the spotlight on them or fear of embarrassment or fear of saying the wrong thing or a combination of all of those things? (laughs) I love that question because I think we often don't realize that a fear of public speaking nine times out of 10 is not about public speaking. And my favorite example to kind of compare it to, to help people recognize that is Another very common fear is like flying on an airplane, right? A lot of people are afraid of planes, afraid of flying. And (laughs) (laughs) so you you may like this one then. So (laughs) chances are, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but chances are your fear of being on the plane is not actually about being on the plane. Yes, I would 100% agree. Yes. Would you say, Bola, are you someone that you like to be in charge? You like to be in control? You like to sort of have, you know, a hand in everything that's going on? And when we're on the plane, it's one of the few times in our lives we literally just have to buckle our seatbelt and sit back while someone else is in charge. (laughs) And there is nothing we can do about it. There's absolutely nothing we could do about it. And (laughs) that is true. Which is scary. It It is scary. But for me, I think it's more so I've come to terms with there's nothing I can do about this. But it's more so like, oh, what about the people that don't know what's happening to me on this plane? <laughs> <laughs> and the people exactly. that still need me like my kids. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. But <laughs> speaking is very similar. I, I always tell people when I'm trying to help them with a fear of public speaking, we kind of, before we can work on speaking, we have to figure out what is the underlying thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is it a worthiness issue? Do you not want to speak because you don't feel like you deserve certain opportunities? Mm-hmm. Do you not want to prepare for a salary negotiation because you don't think you're talented enough to make that much money anyway, right? It's like a deep-rooted thing and and something that I personally would do and I've gotten much better at it, but sometimes it is still creeps in a little bit is self-sabotaging when it comes to public speaking. Yep. And I am very type A, very organized, very proactive in in almost every aspect of my life. And I noticed when I first started speaking, I would often wait until the very last minute to prepare for a speaking engagement. And I would be kind of scrambling and stressed and feeling really overwhelmed and anxious. And I eventually realized that I was doing that sort of subconsciously because it gave me an out in the event that the speech didn't go well. Uh. So if the speech didn't go well, or the audience didn't like it, or I stumbled over my words, or I messed something up, I could just brush it off, right? I could just say, oh, well, I didn't prepare enough. Oh, I didn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. And I have that like built-in excuse versus, well, the speech didn't go well because I'm not a good speaker. Ah, so it's like saying, well, I didn't prepare. That's why I didn't go well. And not like saying I'm not a good speaker. Yes. And so it kind of gives us a built-in out, a built-in excuse, which makes it about the thing at hand, right? I didn't have enough time to prepare or or whatever excuse versus something about me, right? And so it kind of becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You Maybe you don't prepare enough and then you get really stressed because you don't feel prepared and then you don't get the outcome that you wanted, which was a successful event. And it's all this kind of big cycle that a lot of us kind of loop ourselves in over and over. And I think it's also a fear of, you know, putting yourself up on stage or even in a team meeting or a college class in any capacity. It's rooted in in vulnerability, right? If I open up, if I give this idea, if I ask for a raise, if I, you know, go do this job interview and they reject me. Again, it's like, what does that say about me as a person, as an employee, as a student? How do I look? Yeah. What does that say about me? How do I look to the world? Mm-hmm. Or how do I feel about myself even based on this rejection? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I definitely do that sometimes. Like I will wait until the last minute because it's like such a hard event or I just don't want to deal with it. And then again, in the event that doesn't work out well, you know what, if I had prepared longer, it's the excuse, you know, I would have been so much better. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Hey everyone. Before we continue with this podcast episode, I'd love for you to check out the best-selling Clever Girl Finance book series. There are three books in the series and the first book is Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money and Build Real Wealth. The second book is Grow Your Money, Learn How Investing Works. And the third book is called The Side Hustle Guide, Build a Successful Side Hustle and Increase Your Income. 
You can also check out my fourth book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And this book highlights my personal story to building a business of impact and challenges you as the reader to dig deep into laying out what you truly want to accomplish for yourself. I wrote each of these books to empower women just like you to achieve your goals and get to the point where you're living the life you desire on your own terms. If you love these books, be sure to tell your best girlfriends and they also make the perfect gift. These books are available everywhere books are sold and you can purchase them as ebooks, audiobooks, and also physical books. And you can also ask your local library to order them as well. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the episode. You're going to give us some tips to help us improve, you know, public speaking and speaking up. But I wanted you to just talk through the importance of public speaking in different scenarios, because a lot of times when people hear public speaking, they think that it is about you standing on a stage with a microphone speaking to masses of people. But Mm -hmm. as we sort of talked about a little bit earlier on, it may not be like that. It may be a conversation you're having at work in a classroom with a boss in a relationship, right? Being able to speak upright is really the idea here. Obviously, public speaking is being able to speak to multiple people, which could apply to many people, especially in a corporate environment where you have to give presentations or if you run a business where you have to present to a large amount of people. But what is the importance from an individual perspective, from a small perspective, right, in terms of your career, talking to your boss, in terms of your personal relationships, talking to your family members or to a spouse, and then from a business perspective, talking to your employees or even, you know, generally being able to speak broadly to a large group of people. Please tell us what that imp- why it's so important in all these different categories. Sure. And I'll start with kind of the business or the career aspect first, because I think that one is the most obvious. But I'd like to tell people to think for a second about all of the environments where financial decisions are made, right? We're talking about job interviews, salary negotiations, maybe networking events, sales calls, board meetings, right? There's so many different types of meetings and and environments where the outcome of that meeting or environment has an impact on financial decisions. And as you said, those are not necessarily, you know, you standing up on stage with the microphone, but it really all boils down to being able to present a message to an audience. That's the basis of speaking in any, in any fashion. And the goal again, regardless of the environment, the goal is really to present your message in a way that is going to get that audience to proceed with whatever outcome is ideal for you, right? So in a job interview, the ideal outcome would be they hire you and and, in a board meeting or, Mm -hmm. you know, an investor pitch, the ideal outcome is that, you know, they're going to fund your company or provide funding to you and all of these different aspects of our lives where we are speaking and we're trying to get that audience, even if it's only one person, to essentially do what we want them to do. And I think when it comes to public speaking for women, it plays such a key role in our careers. But as you said, right, it doesn't come naturally to most of us. It it makes us feel nervous, a little bit awkward. And we kind of say, okay, well, I'm not great at that. So I'm not going to raise my hand in the meeting. Mm -hmm. I feel awkward. So I'm not going to volunteer to present this to the board. And it really is a skill set that we can run from, but we cannot hide. 
because it will impact us financially and in other aspects of our lives if we don't sort of lean into it instead of leaning away. And one of my favorite things to really stress to people is, you know, for women and and especially for women of color, we have data that shows us that we are already at a disadvantage in some of those environments that financial decisions are made, right? We know that statistically. And we can't control what will happen when we walk out of that room or out of that meeting. We can only control what happens while we're in the room. And what happens while we're in the room is public speaking. So our message and our delivery of that message can sometimes be the only thing that sways a potential decision. And it, it can sometimes be what earns us the audience's respect, especially if it's, you know, a first impression. And my speaking team, they like to joke that, you know, I think when I come onto campuses, I'm often still mistaken for a college student, right? I have this curly <laughs> hair, dimples, I look like I'm 19. And when I start speaking, that's when the audience is like, oh, wait, like she's really here to talk to us about something important. Mm-hmm. Because that is the only aspect of my presence that I can control. Yeah. And that's what gets them to take me seriously. And it's such an important skill set for us to have because it does impact how much money we might be able to negotiate for or a leadership position that we might be able to get promoted to and things of that nature. So that's how I think it impacts us on the business side of things. I think on the personal side of things, it's very similar, right? In that it ultimately boils down to how can you get your message across to this other person? And one of my favorite things that I think actually kind of ties into public speaking is I'm not sure if you've heard of the five love languages. So I think they kind of tie in together, right? Because I know, for example, if I need to tell my mom something, the approach that I would take with her will probably be different than if I need to tell my dad something, right? So Mm -hmm. as we get to know our audience, our delivery and the types of messages we use and the language we use, it differs depending on that audience. And I think we tend to see people who maybe struggle with their personal relationships are not always the best at adjusting that messaging depending on the audience, right? So I don't know if you've ever had someone, you're having a conversation with them and their tone comes across really harsh mm-hmm. and it can just kind of make you put this wall up. You don't want to continue the conversation. It can make you a little bit anxious, frustrated. And now you guys are kind of butting heads, even though you may be in agreement on the message itself, but the way that the message was delivered definitely has an impact. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And when you brought up that love languages, we talk about that a lot here. I talk about that a lot here on the podcast in terms of talking about money with a partner in a relationship and understanding what their love language is so you know how to approach that conversation without causing Mm -hmm. conflict, right? And I guess that same applies to public speaking or speaking more confidently. Absolutely. So you've shared with us the importance of just being able to speak of why it matters, cues to look for. But for someone who this is new to, we've heard everything that we know it's important. (laughs) How can I boost my public speaking confidence? How can I become more secure in myself as someone who needs to speak up at work with a partner to a crowd? 
what tips can you give me? I think the biggest tip when it comes to speaking with confidence is recognizing that speaking is all about mindset. So everything about public speaking really does tie back to that, to the mindset that you have when you're going into it. And something that I I see so, so many people do, and it's a bad habit that I have as well, is when they're about to speak or they're preparing to speak, or maybe you've been asked to have a, a speaking engagement or opportunity, they immediately start thinking about all of the worst case scenarios before they are going to speak or while they're speaking. (laughs) And that could sound like, well, I'm not going to get this job anyway, right? They're never going to hire me for this job. Or what if I trip in the middle of my presentation in front of the entire board, right? Or what if I'm giving this big keynote at an industry conference and I forget the most important talking point, right? We have this Mm -hmm. laundry list of everything that could go wrong when we're about to speak. And I tell people that's actually okay because I can't tell you how many times thinking of those worst case scenarios have actually led me to prepare for a potential thing that could happen, right? Oh, what if my clicker dies? Well, I should bring extra batteries for my clicker, right? And then in the event that it does die, I have the batteries. So sometimes that's okay. It it helps us be prepared for potential scenarios. But what I rarely hear people do, and it's what I'll recommend here, is think about the best case scenarios. What are the best possible Mm. outcomes from you speaking? What if you do get the job and it's the job of your dreams and you love it and it, it sparks that passion in you that you never even knew that you had? Or what if you are very nervous, but you prepare and you have a salary negotiation and you not only get it, but it's like a life changing amount of money. And what would that do for you, for your family, for your children, for your loved ones? And I think it's so special to, as I said, really adjust your mindset around speaking in that way. Because when you start thinking about, wait, what if I really did get that much money? You cannot help but notice, like you get a little pep in your step, right? When you're like, (laughs) oh, I already know what bag I'm going to buy to treat myself. Or I already know what vacation I would love to take my kids on or what debt I could pay off and how much that would take off my shoulders, right? And then it sort of has that that same domino effect, but in a positive way instead of a negative way. And I challenge people to do both because I think there's value from thinking of potential things that could go wrong, but there is also so much untapped value in thinking of what could go right. And I think that naturally gives you a lot more confidence when you're speaking. I love that. And what you said about thinking about what's the best thing that could happen is so true because a lot of times when we have something big we need to do in terms of speaking up, we always think of the worst. It's always the worst thing that comes first. I trip on the stage. Mm -hmm. My skirt rips on the stage. I stumble over my words. (laughs) People will start laughing at me. (laughs) Yep. People get bored. We think about all the worst things. Like I have a public speaking thing coming up next week and that's what's going on in my head. The worst, the worst, the worst things mm-hmm. possible. <laughs> so I love what you said about rephrasing to think about 
the best things and what could happen. You change somebody's life. You get the raise that you are looking for. You resolve a conflict in your relationship. Like, what are the best things that could come out of you taking on this challenge of speaking up or speaking out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then what about someone who has already had the worst scenarios happen to them, right? They attempted to speak up. They attempted a public speaking mm-hmm. situation. They attempted to speak out and everything that they anticipated going wrong went wrong plus more. What advice would you give to this person to to try again, to not give up, to not be discouraged? Yeah, I think something that is helpful is a lot of people are not naturally good at public speaking, but chances are that there is something that you are naturally good at that other people are not. So I like to sort of use that perspective. I always pick on myself and I give the example that I am a horrible cook. I just cannot cook anything well. I I cook (laughs) merely for survival and that is it. And there are people who cooking comes very naturally to them. It's very easy. They make it look effortless. And I tend to say that when I'm cooking, I feel like I'm playing that that diner dash game. I don't know if you ever used to play that. Oh, my daughter loves that game. I feel like things are burning and everybody's waiting and stuff's not ready at the same time. And I'm not getting tips. You know, it's just very stressful for me and I don't enjoy it. And so if you are not great at public speaking, I, I think it's helpful to think about something else that does come very naturally to you, right? And for other people, like for me, I could learn how to cook. Someone could teach me. I could take classes. I could follow more recipes and just with more practice over time, I'm sure I'll get better. And Mm -hmm. public speaking is the same, right? It's just a skill that we can grow in just like any other skill. And I think the best way to approach that is, first of all, we have all had a negative experience with with speaking in some way. So know that you're not alone first and foremost, but ultimately I would say to use it as a learning experience because I very truly learn something from every single speech that I give, mm-hmm. every single one. The last speech that I gave, it was actually virtual and I had a video to play in the beginning, but the audio wasn't working. And I had actually done an AV test with the team before the session started, but I hadn't tested the audio. And so even though I was a little frustrated that my video didn't work, at the same time, it was like, ah, now next time I know when I'm doing this virtually, I need to test the video and the audio to make sure that the AV people hear both, that it's working on both ends, right? If you know, you give a presentation and it seems like people are confused or maybe there's a lot of questions and and you're in a meeting and you're presenting something, that is such a great opportunity to say, okay, maybe I need to make some adjustments to my content based on that feedback because there are clearly things that are not being understood by the rest of the group. So maybe I need to make some clarity in my messaging. And I know that a big one for a lot of people is the nerves, right? So if you were so nervous that you were shaking and could barely get the words out, it's like, okay, well, maybe next time, right before I go on stage or right before I speak up in the meeting, I need to you know, do some breathing techniques, try some meditation, and really just remembering that it truly is all about mindset. I definitely agree with all of those tips. 
being prepared, testing things out. For me personally, like you said, we've all had negative experiences with public speaking, but I find that definitely preparing and even rehearsing my backup plan if my organic speech does not work. <laughs> yes. Is, is love helpful. That. And making sure that everything else around me that could go wrong and distract my talk doesn't happen. So like you said, the technical aspect, my outfit, my hair and my makeup, making that, making sure that's all put together because it's one less thing for me to worry about. And I can just mm-hmm. focus on delivering a good talk or presentation or whatever it might be. And then I definitely get caught up in the nerves just as it's about to happen. And I think for me, I haven't figured out how best to manage those nerves. But the minute I open my mouth to start talking, it goes away. Yep. But it's like in the five seconds or 10 seconds. <laughs> I am the same way. And I think people are always surprised when I say that. But I, I get nervous before every single speech that I give. Every single speech that I give. And I will openly say that the speech that I do not feel nervous before will probably be the last time that I pick up a microphone (laughs) because to me, that means that I don't care anymore. That's true. Yep. Right. And I love the example of, you know, think of other big things in your life. I know you're a mom when your children were being born. I'm sure you were so nervous. Like I want to do everything right. That's because you care so much. And Think of big days like your wedding or a big, you know, annual review. Of course you feel nervous because those things are so important to you. But no one says if you feel nervous before your wedding day, like, oh no, like that means you're, you're not prepared for this, right? Like it's very normal to feel nervous before things that you care that deeply about and you're really invested in the outcome of them. And I think if you don't feel nervous, that that probably means you don't care or it's time for you to kind of level up to the next <laughs> the next <laughs> platform in terms of the stage that you're speaking on so that you can feel a little bit more challenged. But I try to reassure myself and I feel that that nervousness right before I'm like, okay, I still care. I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> that is true. You, once you get to the point where you feel like, you know what? I'm not nervous, whatever, then it, it even shows it's reflected in the way, the way you speak, the way we act. We see that sometimes, right? With famous people, mm-hmm. celebrities who are just completely over everything. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I've done this before. This <laughs> done, <not> done. <laughs> exciting to me anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, like you said, preparation is, is super key. And using it as a learning experience, if something went wrong, like you said, what can we learn from the situation? How can we do it differently? And then going back to what you said about why it is so important that we continue to speak up, we continue to advocate for ourselves. And this is not just, you know, we've talked about a few scenarios on here, but even when you're calling out something that's incorrect, something that's wrong, something that's not Mm -hmm. okay, even if you don't get the response, the right response, you get shut down, then you, you can still reflect, okay, what didn't go well? How can I make sure that I continue to convey this message in a way that it reaches the ears of the people who need to hear it mm-hmm. in a way that they can receive it? Because sometimes, you know, you're going to have to speak up in situations that people are not going to want to hear what you have to say. Oh, yeah. They're not going to be happy <laughs> about it. They may be mad at you, you know, but how do we, again, going back to what you said about love languages and just really understanding our audience. So whenever I speak, I always ask questions about the audience. Who is the so audience? So important. 
what's their demographic? What is their age? What is, you know, like I try to learn about them. What are their biggest concerns so that Mm -hmm. I know how to have this conversation? And so if you're with a boss, for example, you know about your boss, right? Right. Maybe they get cranky towards the end of the day. That's not the right time to be having this conversation. (laughs) No, it's so true though. I mean, my boss personally, he knows that I can get very hangry. And so he tries not to call me around lunchtime. Or if he does, he's like, hey, have you had lunch already? Because my tone and my delivery, everything is very different around the lunch hour for me. So (laughs) that's a good point. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine. This has been really helpful. I think this is, you know, we talk a lot about money and business and career on this podcast and on Clever World Finance, but this conversation about public speaking, I think is so important because this is something that we have to do as we advocate for ourselves to earn more as we negotiate, right? It's part of being able to speak up um, as we push our ourselves forward in our jobs, in our businesses, in our relationships, just be, being able to voice and articulate what we're trying to say. Uh, and just, you know, you've given us some really good tips on as to how to think about that. So thank you so much for being here. And before I let you go, you have to tell us what is your Clever Girl superpower? Ooh, I would probably say something about connection. So maybe connecting with other women and empowering them to succeed. I love that. I love that. And you've definitely done that. You do that with your speaking. <laughs> So that is, that's awesome. And then finally, please tell everyone how they can keep up with you, how they can learn more uh, about what you do and even, you know, leverage your services to help them work on their own speaking. Sure. You can find me online at Miss Jasmine C. Williams or at jasminecwilliams.com. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, You can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.